All righty. Good morning, everybody. Happy New Week. I'm super excited uh, to be here. Right next to me is one of my authors from across the ditch. <laughs> Yet she's in Australia at the moment, um, living the life of just being a, what is it, a, a digital nomad? Is that what they call it? Sounds fine to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is Jenny Tebbett, uh, guys, and she is the author of The Wobbly Kids. Um, uh, here is her book cover here, Raising Achievement for Those Who Learn Differently. So thank you so much for joining me this morning after having been in my community what well, the longest I would say that I still keep in touch with someone. Eight years we worked out just before, right? We did. Yes. Thank you for having me. It's lovely to be here. Yeah. Jenny, guys, attended um, the October 2014 retreat. And that was about, I think, the fifth retreat we ever did. And we're about to do the 40th. So it is a, a blast from the past. Of it. Uh, I've been pleasantly, um, you know, kind of hanging out with Jenny for the last 12 months plus. You know, she's reconnected and doing more of the trainings and in-house and all that sort of stuff. And she's actually headed uh, one of our new newly launched book club can you hear me or have you lost me i can hear you can hear me now uh, I, can. I, was just, I was just asking what are you calling that new book club um group the ultimate book club. The ultimate book club. <laughs> See, I had it. I had that. Like, <laughs> you if, did. You want, if you want to look up that um, group on Facebook, Jenny's actually heading that particular uh, group and join it, and they'll have lots of interesting interviews and events they're going to be running. And I said, if you want to take the leadership role in this, uh, go for it. But we're here to, to talk about, more importantly, what Jenny has written about and what she does every day. So let me give you the official introduction and then we'll get stuck into the content on how great outcomes, uh, what great outcomes are for unique learners. So um, living in England at five years old, Jenny made a bold statement. I'm going to be a teacher and marry a farmer. <laughs> at the age of nine, her family came um, to New Zealand. It was here uh, that she found her farmer and became a teacher. Jenny said she took um, uh, uh, until she was 40 to become an A student, realizing much later in life that her own challenges with education and growing up came as a result of having undiagnosed ADHD uh, of the inattentive type. Upon discovering that other family members um, both had dyslexia and ADHD, she became passionate about this field of education. She recognized quickly that many neurodiverse students, such as those with dyslexia, ADHD, and students on the autism spectrum don't thrive in education and often their outcomes are well below potential. Jenny says statistically 22% of students are undeserved by our current education system and it's time for a change. Jenny has a postgraduate qualification in literacy, a specialist teacher qualification and has amassed 25 years experience specializing in this field. She currently works as an international consultant supporting schools, educators and families throughout New Zealand and Australia. Wow, that's quite a um, quite an introduction and you've done so much Jenny so I can't wait to learn a little bit more uh, about this uh, concept from you and, and what you do day in and day out. Thank you. Um, well it's really interesting and I think if we all think back to our school days we all had some people in schools I found them really annoying they were A students. <laughs> they found learning really easily, easy they didn't have to study too hard and they always aced the tests. Yeah. Well, that wasn't me. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, then we've got our sort of average students and sometimes out there a bit above average and um, they take all the learning that goes on in school and they, you know, can do quite well with it. And then there's a group of students who I found, like me, that actually struggle the way that um, school is taught and we um, tend to underachieve. And we've also got some special education students. And I think if we all think about ourselves as learners, we can actually see um, where we fit um, in that categories. And um, I, I realise that all of us um, think um, when we go to school that we're going to go there and we're going to learn and that we're going to succeed. And I think that actually at least 25% of us actually go there and learn. I would say it would be fair to say that I've um, spent much of my life undoing the failure that I learned at school. And when I speak to young people, this is often what I hear from them, um, especially by the time they get to be teenagers, um, that they have lost their confidence, they actually don't feel um, good about their achievement at school. And one of the things that I've recognised is that it doesn't have to be like that. And as I mentioned, it took me till I was 40 to become an A student, and I actually should have been one from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And I call them learning waves. Now, um, gifted and talented are our first wave learners. Our mainstream students are our second wave. I'm a third wave. And we also have students who have got special um, um, needs with many areas, whether it's physical or whether it's um, a particular um, uh, you know, challenge that they have with their learning. Um, and it's important that school actually reaches all of these students. And largely, our education system has set itself up, up for first and second wave learners, and our third and fourth wave learners have actually been marginalised. And many of these third wave learners are actually really intelligent. Um, they should be first wave learners, um, yeah. but because of the challenges and the difficulties they have, they just never reach their potential. Wow. But that's kind of just a bit of background. Mm. So, um, so why why do some kids fail then, and why shouldn't they? Like, can you go in a little bit more detail around that? Sure. So, school is really set up for first and second wave learners, um, as I mentioned, and our teacher training largely trains us as teachers for that first and second wave. When I went to teacher training college, I thought I was going to learn how to teach all children. And sadly, when I got there, I actually realised that I was actually trained to teach about 75% of them, and the other 25% I actually struggled with. Now, a few of us have actually done like special education courses, but the special education students actually only are another 3% of that student group. So we've got 22% of students whose um, needs aren't met in school, and teachers don't have a lot of training to support. And in fact, it's very difficult. There's not too many courses available um, that you can go and learn um, in this area. We have got um, some new things coming in, which I'm really thankful for. And one of these is structured literacy, which is addressing one of the areas that these students have difficulty with. Um, but there's still a whole gap in our teacher education regarding supporting these students. Um, so. Lots of our kids have actually um, had specialist teachers and good ones. I've even worked in schools and worked with you know, students myself. Often they've been on two or three um, good literacy programs and good support programs, but they still underachieve. Mm. 
Yeah. That really says to me that it's our system that is failing the kids, not the kids um, actually failing the system. And that's the important thing to change. And I think in Australia and New Zealand, we actually have um, a long tail of underachievers in our education system. And it really fits when you look at the third and fourth wave model that those third and fourth wave students are in the tail of underachievers. And that's really what we want to change in education. Um, we want every child to go through school and feel enriched by that experience. Um, we don't want the weaknesses brought out. We actually want the strengths brought out. Um, mm. So, yeah, so every student has those strengths and weaknesses. And, um, you know, often for the weaknesses, it's around reading, writing and spelling. And that leads students to having poor confidence. They lack self-esteem um, and the feeling that they must be dumb. And it's simply not, not true. And we make kids go to school for 10 years. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. after 10 years of repeat um, sort of um, feelings that they actually get, it's not too long before those negative feelings um, are ingrained in students, yeah. and it doesn't need to be like that. So your book, The Wobbly Kids, um, what was the purpose of putting that together? Is it to change this, you know, um, start to change the thinking around how we treat it is. kids? Yeah. Yeah. I really wanted to highlight um, the wobbly kids. And the kids who actually sort of go to school and then they don't actually fit the mould and they actually start to wobble. So we wanted to highlight that. And I really wanted to um, start providing more teacher training um, so that they could support students. Because if you think of 22 students, mm. just about every teacher has four, five or six children in their class. And yes, it's a minority, but it's actually not a small minority. Oh. And if we think of four or five or six children in every class in the world going through education and not um, feeling good about themselves and being able to achieve to their potential, that's a lot of children. Mm. And I believe that we have a responsibility um, in education to ensure that every student um, has their needs met. Mm. So one of the things that I've learned along the way is that um, Research is now saying that if we teach to the third wave, everybody will benefit. Mm -hmm. So why don't we set up our system around teaching to the third wave so that our first wave, second wave and fourth wave learners can get the best experience. Mm -hmm. um, and it really starts by um, recognising and celebrating strengths. You know, so often we actually don't do that in school. And I had a student last week, actually, and I just sat down with him and I pulled out all the things that he was um, good at. And often people with learning difficulties, they have highs and lows. And that's actually usually your, if, you've, if you're an average student, everything's average. If you're a top student, most things are sort of top. But for our kids, they have these highs and they actually have these lows. And you could see him just bolster up. And he didn't even realize that he had good oral language, that he had good vocabulary, that when I speak to you, you're really an intelligent person. The fact that you actually have difficulty with reading, writing and spelling is no bearing on your intelligence. Um, and I tell the students a story, actually. Um, in 2004, I went to Russia. And I don't know whether you've been to Russian lately or looked at the, um, the language. Um, it's just a foreign language completely. <laughs> like There's no letters the same. In the eight days that I was there, I only learned about three words. 
I couldn't speak to people. I couldn't read street names. Um, it was just a complete sort of void. Now, people say I'm intelligent and apparently I've got a reasonably high IQ. In that situation, I felt like a five-year-old. Yeah. And what it actually told me was whether you can read, write or spell has got nothing to do with how clever you are. It's actually to do with whether you know the letters and sounds of the language. Mm. And our kids who are often in the third wave have particular difficulties with literacy. And for one reason or another, they actually haven't um, mastered the basics of literacy. But it's not to do with their intelligence. Yeah. So I think that that's just so important. So how yeah. do we um, start to address the needs of kids who learn differently or, or how do we you know, kind of teach through the third wave, as you say. Yes. So start by recognising strengths and celebrating them. Every person, you know, like saying, you're really good at this. Mm -hmm. Recognising that the glass is half full, not half empty. Mm -hmm. Much of school has actually um, said that these students are less than, you know. We put the students with learning difficulties in low classes. They actually shouldn't be there. Mm -hmm. um, and also I talk about... Um, um, seven excellences. And the first of these is actually multi-sensory. Now, we all know that when we get to hear something, we get to see it, and we get to do it, that we actually learn much better. And our schools are renowned for being good auditory learning places. And if you're a good auditory learner, you tend to do well. And if you're not, you actually do less well. So we want more seeing and more doing. <laughs> and especially if kids have got an auditory weakness, which quite a lot of these kids have, and then we put them in an auditory learning environment that actually doesn't make sense. So that's why multi-sensory is the first thing. Mm -hmm. um, and the second thing is our kids need lots of structure. Um, and, you know, we often talk about structure in our business, you yes. know, and how if we don't have structure in our business, we don't succeed. Well, these kids, and I was one of them, actually had trouble have trouble creating their own structure. Mm -hmm. And so it's something that they actually have to have initially um, that support from their parents, their teachers, their teacher aides around them while we're teaching them skills to be resilient and to have the structure for themselves. Um, the third thing is sequential. We often talk about doing things step by step. Yep. Some kids can actually miss out a few steps. If you're a first or second wave learner and you're away one day or you go on a sports trip yep. and you miss stuff at school, um, you can catch up. Mm. Our third and fourth wave learners can't. So that means that we have to know exactly where our students are at with their learning and take them um, step by step. Mm -hmm. um, research and evidence-based, we now know a lot more about the brain and how we learn. We actually know a lot more about um, literacy and so making sure that everything we do is researched and evidence-based. Mm -hmm. um, the fifth one is huge, repetition and overlearning. Yeah. If the average student takes seven times to learn something, then students who are third wave often take up to 49 times. Wow. And it's not 49 times of doing the same thing the same way, but it's actually they need repetition and overlearning in different ways of learning certain skills. Mm -hmm. And we simply don't put the amount of repetition and overlearning in that students need at school. Um, and I often work with schools and teachers about how we can put that in collectively as a school. Um, it also must be based on evidence. So again, knowing where your kids are at and teaching them from there. And the last one, and this is huge, I actually think this was one of my biggest failures in education. 
third wave learners don't pick up metacognitive strategies, which is which strategy should I use? When should I use it? Why should I use it? And how should I use it as easily as other people? Yeah. So we have to actually focus on metacognitive strategies and then give them 49 times to practice it. Mm. And I say, if we start with those seven things, that's um, a, a start to set children up for success in school. And we need to do it to the third wave level. I love yeah, that. So that's how I would start. Can you tell me what, um, you know, as a result of your book and also, um, you know, you consult, you know, you're an international consultant supporting schools. Is it some of these seven strategies that you help them implement? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I often actually, when I go into schools and I talk about the waves of learning, I also talk about the underpinning cognitive weaknesses that children have. Mm -hmm. And so like school is focusing on academics, like reading, writing, spelling, whether you're above your age or at your age, yes. whereas these students have underpinning cognitive weaknesses that prevent them from being able to achieve. So unless we identify their underpinning cognitive weaknesses and address them, then they're not going to move on. So we can give them reading, writing, spelling and education as we know it till the cows come home. But unless we change the way that we address their needs, they're not going to achieve. So it's really around helping schools understand that and um, working through with teachers. So we have leadership programs. So we work with school leaders developing policy and practice. We have um, programs with teachers where we help them meet the needs of all the waves in their classes. We also work with teacher aides and I've got quite a strong parent um, program because a lot of parents need support as well. And I was one. Um, as a parent, I struggle to help my own boy through the education system, knowing all that I know. Um, I have a degree, I work, um, you know, full time in this area, and I still struggled. I wished I'd had someone like me to, yeah. <laughs> to um, support me as a parent. So we do a lot of work with parents. Yeah, I love that. And so with your book, um, is it mostly targeted at teachers or could parents also benefit from it? Um, a lot of parents do benefit from it and they read it. Every parent is struggling to help their own child through the education system. And I think reading the book gives them an insight into the education system, what's needed. And it gives them the language that they can actually then talk to schools about an individual education plan, um, about underpinning weaknesses, when my student needs assessment. And so teachers, of, uh, parents often don't have the words and they actually don't have the tools. Um, so the book gives them that. And throughout it, there's a lot of um, sort of stories and anecdotes of um, um, situations that they'll be able to relate to. Yeah. Wow. So what's the future hold? What, what, you know, what do you hope to see yourself doing? Well, it's really exciting. And I have to say, you know, you mentioned at the beginning that I took eight years really to write my book. And one of the things that actually happened for me is when I came across to Australia to do the 48 hour um, weekend workshop and write yeah. my book, yeah. I pretty much wrote my book in the 48 hours. But when I got here, I actually realized that this wasn't just about writing a book. It was actually about um, a whole business idea. And um, I ended up recognizing that I should be having online programs. Yes. And so, and, and I remember you saying that every online program you write is like a book. 
Yeah. Well, I now have three online programs for leadership, for teachers and for teacher aides, which is kind of three books. Yeah. Um, I've got short courses. Um, I've been um, touring around um, New Zealand um, and Australia working with schools. And then also along the way, I actually had some health challenges. So I had two knee replacements. Um, after I might add, I ended up cycling New Zealand. Not long after we met, I cycled from Bluff um, to Cape Reinga. And then I got um, really bad arthritis and had to have two knee replacements. So I was a little bit slowed down by that. But the book has come at the right time. Um, there were some things that have evolved in education over those last few years. And it was really important that those things were actually included in the book. Um, so I'm really happy about the place I've come to. Um, my ultimate aim is to make change in education before I retire. And I have to have all these components, the online courses, the traveling. And now we've got Zoom, so you don't have to travel. Um, so I often run Zoom sessions in Australia and New Zealand, and there's no reason why other countries either. Um, and, of course, the book. And I've got the second book on the go, and I, I hope it doesn't take me another eight years to finish it. No, no, <laughs> no it, it shouldn't. And once you've done it once, you know, the second time around, yeah, it'll be a lot easier and faster for sure. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. I love it. So where can people buy your book? Um, on my website, um, www.raisingachievement.com.au. All right. Uh, there's some information there about it. And there's also um, a parent hub for parents that actually want to go there and have a look. Mm -hmm. um, and there's also information about courses and other things as well. I love that. I'm just flicking through your website here. Um, so raisingachievement.com.au. Um, and you go to the book tab or the parent uh, hub. Um, you can see there the book and you'll read through all the things that Jenny, um, you know, kind of talks about. And I, I love the fact that you say, you know, that, um, you know, I, I was going to say, how was the process? You said, yeah, I finished the book in 48 hours, but <laughs> then I probably told you too much more. And then you started doing all the other things at the same time. So overall, how has it been for you? Um, I've actually found it an amazing experience. Um, and it's also really interesting. The last um, 12 months, as Natasha mentioned, um, I've sort of come back in because um, a lot of the, we go to have masterclasses around business. We actually have guest speakers. Um, I'm meeting actually fabulous people. Mm -hmm. And I've actually um, affectionately called this as the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I don't know where you can actually like purchase something eight years ago yeah. and actually keep going um, through the process and gaining new knowledge and new experience. And I think one of the things for me is that there's a lot of stuff. I remember coming away from the 48-hour author um, weekend and just being overwhelmed by the opportunity. Yeah. And it's taken me some time to absorb all that. And now when I come back in and attend things, I actually hear different things that I'm ready yeah. for. And I'm not done with you yet. I'm right. <laughs> well, you're I, about to start feel... your membership. Um, you know, uh, Jenny's taking part in the Ultimate Momentum membership, which we're launching 1st of June. And that's yes. going to help her bring the second book out. But it's also like chunking it down to the, you know, um, to the small, smaller skill sets that we need to like pull together to bring out everything that you're creating, which which I'm super proud of everything that you've achieved so far. And I think we've got a um, couple of uh, comments. Uh, Kim 
She said um, a shake-up is needed. Uh, great topic. Children and teenagers are all imprisoned in our system. Oh, it's a long comment. <laughs> I just opened it all up. Um, go through and read it, Jenny. Um, I will. Yeah, great topic. Thanks, Kim. <laughs> um, and doing great work with bringing um, to these seven targeted understandings. Uh, Fiona Scott, um, this is so fantastic. What you do is so needed in both our countries. And I think Fiona and yourself, Jenny, should um, should connect as well, because I think you've got similar sort of um, uh, dreams and visions and people that you work with. So I love the fact that you've also embraced, you know, the networking, the community. Um, and as you say, I want you guys to be around for many, many years because that's what deepens, you know, we don't stop learning after we achieve a particular level of success in business. You know, I'm, I'm investing in going and being part of other programs and learning from mentors and then obviously making sense out of it, bringing it back to you guys, teaching it. So like you say, a repetition is the mother of all skill. Um, and my whole intention, I always say to my authors, I said, don't be worried about saying or teaching the same things to your um, people who you're educating, right? Because a lot of the time an author is an educator, a thought leader, right? Uh, and I, because they always think they should be like um, reinventing the wheel with new content and new topics. And I said, no, I said, people will only remember like 3% of what you're saying every time you say it. So you need to say it over and over and over. One that hopefully like really drops for them. So, which is what you were just saying before. Mm. Mm, I love yes. that. Yeah. What, what are your parting, uh, parting words of wisdom that you'd like to leave your listeners listen <clears throat> with? <clears throat> Um, well, I'm really excited about this journey of moving forward. <clears throat> I think it's time now to make the change in education. Yeah. The last two years, um, particularly with COVID, has had a huge negative impact on education. Every child is actually affected. Our third and fourth wave learners even more so. And with all the stuff that's going on in the world, there's been a lot of discontinuity um, around education. And my theme for this year is how can we succeed anyway mm -hmm. we're looking at ways that we can provide what all of our students need through remote systems like you mm -hmm. know online learning through zoom through making difference and so let's make 2022 the year to be known for change in education I that's my parting it. words Thank you so much. And show us your book now in real life. There, I think there's that next year. There's the Wobbly Kids, guys. Uh, super suitable for both parents and teachers. I think you'll get a lot of insight from over 25 years of experience that Jenny's been doing this and now consulting so she can make that change from, you know, a higher level, you know, and um, make an impact around the world um, with, with her insight. So thank you so much for joining me this morning. I really appreciate your time and I, I look forward to hanging out and publishing more books with you as we go along. All Thank right, you guys. so much for having you. It's been, me. It's been wonderful. Ahead and smash it out. <laughs> Bye, guys.